from the Public Affairs staff of the Columbus Dispatch. This is Buckeye Forum. Hello, welcome to another Buckeye Forum. And uh, it's a special one. We are recording this in conjunction with a story we are writing exactly, yes, it's coming, folks, one year out, the 2020 presidential election. This is Daryl Rowland, the public affairs editor of The Dispatch. With me is Rick Ruan. And we are looking at the big question for 2020, who's going to win the suburbs? Or at least that's what everyone says the big issue as far as the horse race, Rick, is who's going to win those burbs? Democrats say, hey, they're going blue. Republicans say... Hey, that's not the whole story. Shake it all out for us. So hearing that from from both parties, we kind of went about trying to figure out, okay, what is a suburb? That was question number one, and that's one that uh, you had to to answer, Daryl. That was kind of a complicated question, right? Well, you know, and uh, you start out and you think, well, yeah, I know what a suburb is, but actually you go to whatever cartographers, geographers, even political scientists, there's really no... A widely accepted definition. You know, I, I live in Westerville. Sure, that's a suburb, right? But what about those of you who live in, in a Lancaster or a Canal Winchester or Marysville and, you know, you drive into Columbus or, or whatever to work? Is that a suburb? Is that an exurb or whatever? So, yeah, let's get the definition out of the way. Basically, you have to be in a metropolitan county, adjacent to a metropolitan county, and you have to have at least 10,000 people. We had to draw the line someplace. That is for a municipality. But you know, if the folks of you who live up north of uh, Franklin County, you are not necessarily in a municipality. You may be in Powell or someplace like that, but uh, more likely you're in Liberty Township or Orange Township, maybe Genoa Township there north of Westerville. And while those areas are rural, so to speak, in terms of township government, uh, they are very thickly populated and growing like crazy, of course. So we included townships that adjoin the metropolitan counties um, or adjoin another you know, suburb, but we put the threshold a little higher there at 20,000. So we got those three I just mentioned near Franklin County. Uh, Cincinnati has like huge townships, so yep. we included some of those, but there are like 50,000 people in townships down there. Uh, if you're not from Southwest Ohio, you may not realize that. So that's when we say suburbs, so folks, that's what we're talking about. And again, the, the the big metropolitan areas are the ones you would expect: Columbus, the you know the three C's, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Dayton, Toledo, Akron. Uh, we, we put Youngstown in there as well. So suburbs of those places are like Boardman in Youngstown. You know, Cleveland has a zillion of them: Maple Heights to Parma to Bay Village, uh, Avon, things like that. Again, Beaver Creek over by Dayton. Uh, So, folks, you know, it's not going to be too unexpected what exactly we're talking about. But politically speaking, Rick, what has been going on in the suburbs and what maybe is changing? So when you talk with people who have studied these trends over a long period of time, what what they'll say is that Republicans have been more or less leaking votes in the the suburbs for for a long time. You saw a trend line that, you know, Republicans had a really strong foothold in suburbs for years, but that share of votes was going down year after year after year. And then 2016 came and uh, Donald Trump put it on steroids. So uh, uh, that slow leak suddenly was the the dam bursting in some of these suburbs. That's what people kind of say has been happening. When we looked at the difference between 2012 and 2016, though, we actually found that Donald Trump flipped several suburbs himself. In fact, he flipped more than Hillary Clinton did. So, you know... 
we looked at 115 total, sorry, 114 total suburbs, and uh, 19 of those flipped from 2012 to 2016. Donald Trump flipped 13 of them. Um, many of them in Northeast Ohio, which has been a uh, Democratic stronghold mm-hmm. for as long as I've been alive, and probably as long as you've been alive too. Yeah, that's a, that's a, twice as long, but probably as anyone listening to this podcast has, has been alive. So again, what we're talking about from 2012, when Barack Obama won his second term, obviously beat Mitt Romney here in Ohio. Donald Trump came in and won Ohio by uh, you know, the, the biggest margin in, in several presidential elections, won by just a hair over eight points. So, of course, he's going to be turning around some areas. And we a lot of us have heard about the Mahoning Valley, Northeast Ohio, traditional Democratic areas. So almost that entire area went more Republican than they'd ever had before. But the, you're talking about ones that actually flipped from the ones Obama won to the ones Trump won. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Boardman in, in Mahoning County, a Youngstown suburb, flipped for Donald Trump. He flipped a handful in Lake County, Wycliffe, Willoughby, Willoughby Hills. So that's just east of Cleveland on I-90 up there, kind of close right. to the lake, as you might. Right. And, and in Cuyahoga County, he, he flipped two there, too. Uh, Middleburg Heights and, and Parma, the, those uh, both went for, for Trump in 2016. So when the Democrats look at this, several people that I talked to said that the way that they're looking at the suburbs is that, yes, they have flipped some of these suburbs, but the ones that they've flipped are the more affluent suburbs. They think that they still have quite a bit of work to do in uh, these blue-collar, working-class suburbs, many of them that you you might find in some of these areas of Northeast Ohio where Trump did well. Uh, Well, Let me stop there. So Democrats are saying they are having an easier time than more affluent areas. Yes. Suburbia. Yeah. Flips it on its head a little bit, doesn't it? Well, it does. Whereas the working people suburbs so to speak and again we're speaking in generalizations we're allowed to it's about politics democrats are still struggling and because those are some of the areas that that trump uh, did but well like parma those of you know parma heights along that south southeast edge of cleveland there a lot of blue collar workers there yep and i think the the big question here is was this a donald trump phenomenon or is this something that portends a legitimate long-term change in where these two parties are going to get votes that's what everybody's sort of wondering and I don't know that we're really going to get an answer to that in 2020 because, frankly, Donald Trump's going to be on the ballot again. So, well, uh, we presume, <laughs> right? Right. But you know, in the the areas where where you see Hillary Clinton flipping suburbs, we're talking about several in Franklin County, which has been going much much deeper shade of blue for years now. In fact, some of these countywide races, and certainly in city races, you don't even see Republicans running in some cases. Yeah. But she flipped. Hilliard, Upper Arlington, Westerville, all three of those are places that would be considered more affluent, certainly have median incomes over the the state average. Up in Cuyahoga County, Bay Village and Rocky River, and Mm. then in... There's more affluent suburbs just on the west side of Cleveland. Lakewood would be the the first round suburb, then Rocky River, Bay Village, as you go along the lake there west of Cleveland. Right, and then uh, in Hamilton, she flipped uh, Blue Ash. So, I mean, these are by and large 
places where Democrats believe that um, educated white women are a target area for them, that if they're going to not just maintain the advantage that they've gained in places like that, but build a larger margin to try to make up for some of the places where where they've lost uh, some of their ground, that those are the voters that they're going to need to be speaking to in 2020. Hmm. Now, I know certainly here in Franklin County, uh, when we talk about the kind of that northern tier from Westerville on west. The Democrats look to 2018 where their, you know, the congressional candidates did better and three legislative seats were flipped. So is that part of this equation as well, do you think? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you can't just say that the the story is told between 2012 and 2016. It's hard to ignore 2018 that was lumped in there uh, where we, we definitely saw some seats that typically would have gone to Republicans before flip for for Democrats, we had Tina Maharath up in uh, Westerville, mm-hmm. Allison Russo won last year, and a few others mm-hmm. uh, that um, Democrats probably wouldn't have uh, counted on previously. Right. Beth Liston, yeah. Beth Liston, yeah, mm-hmm. a- absolutely. Now, um, that didn't exactly get them a majority in the, uh, the State House of uh, Representatives right. or in the Senate, but it, it's certainly part of the the overall picture that, that we're painting here about what's happening in the suburbs. And, of course, uh, I think we both heard uh, at least rhetoric that Westerville was chosen as the site for the presidential debate, the Democratic presidential debate uh, here two, three weeks ago, in part because of the Democrats' emphasis on we want to win these suburbs and we think we can this time around. Absolutely. And and one thing that, that I learned during the debate week and that, that is kind of part of the story that we have today is that you had a, a group of young Democrats they called them rising stars in the, the Democratic Party from uh, across the state. We're talking about people like uh, Elizabeth Brown here in Columbus and people in that vein from Council uh, President Pro Tem. Yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, she's on Columbus City Council mm-hmm. and the, the daughter of Senator Sherrod Brown. Oh, that Brown. Yes. And you had uh, people from Cincinnati and Toledo and the Northeast Ohio all kind of converge down here to try to get some FaceTime with surrogates from the campaigns that were in town for for the debate. So um, you had several spouses in, in a meeting with them. Ten of the twelve uh, candidates were were represented there. And the message from those young quote unquote rising star Democrats to the campaigns was: This is how we win in the suburbs. This is this is what we need to be focusing on is suburban Ohio if we're going to flip this state back in 2020. So not only was the the site of the debate significant to to the suburbs, but there were real conversations happening uh, about the importance of the suburbs to winning Ohio's 18 electoral votes in 2020. And where did that conversation take place? It was in um, Uptown Westerville at uh, a restaurant. See, he's not going to tell us because uh, what he's not going to admit to you that we actually paid someone to go to graders. <laughs> but yes, as you see, it was a legitimate news event. And I haven't seen his expense report yet. I don't think he's tried to expense like any uh, black raspberry trip or anything on yeah. us. I'm a pistachio ice cream guy and they, they don't carry it. So uh, I, I was able to hold off. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hold off on the graders. Right. So what happens now? I mean, are the the suburbs really the, you know, because we tend to make it very simplistic. We think metropolitan areas, Democrat, blue, rural areas, Republican, red. So the suburbs are in between. So 
in that sense, they're kind of almost a geographical battleground as well. Um, but is that all there is to it? I mean, uh, we have definitely uh, not. Okay, well, you know, let's let's go strip another layer off the onion then. Sure. So when you talk with people, they they say that the old kind of adage about uh, Ohio for for Democrats at least was that you could draw the number seven on the state, and uh, that's how Democrats had to win. They needed to win uh, across northern Ohio and then down the from seven- Toledo to to Cleveland and further east. Absolutely. And then down the 77 corridor down into southeast Ohio. But if you look at the more recent electoral maps, that's not really the case. I mean, down that 77 corridor, not only is it red, I mean, you've got places that are very deep red Mm -hmm. uh, now that they can't really uh, count on. That's uh, pretty significant. I mean, I'm looking at an electoral map right now, and you had uh, from 2016. Here, hold it up so people can see it. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, you know, Franklin County and Cuyahoga County are, are a pretty nice shade of blue for, for Democrats. And then um, Hamilton County, uh, where Cincinnati is, Mahoning County, Summit, Lorraine, and Lucas, they're all, you know, some shade uh, of blue, certainly not as deep as Democrats w- would have liked or they wouldn't have lost by eight points that year. But the rest of the state is frankly red and in many places a very deep shade of red if democrats are going to mount a credible challenge to donald trump in uh 2020 it can't just be about the those urban areas they've got to you know get their turnout in uh, those large urban areas that are strongholds for them they've got to maintain or do better in the suburbs and they need to eat into some of these margins uh that donald trump has in rural ohio where we're seeing deep deep red yeah, I, I know, you know, having certainly covered that campaign a lot, it it, it did seem that, uh, well, we had reporters uh, go up to Cleveland or whatever, that uh, many African-American voters were decidedly unenthusiastic about the, the former Secretary of State. On the other hand, she was reviled in rural areas. You look at Mercer County, that's the city line up in northwest Ohio. I know that's one of your deep shade of red counties. Trump run with like 80 some percent of the vote up there. Now, a Democratic presidential candidate is almost never going to win Mercer County, of course, but the key seemingly would be, you know, don't get crushed by whatever that would be, 50 points, you know, get it down to 30 or 25 or whatever, probably more like Obama, you know. Right. And don't lose your pretty significant margin in places like Youngstown, where, you know, you would have had uh, Barack Obama winning with uh, somewhere between somewhere north of two thirds of the vote, north of 67 percent of Mm -hmm. the vote. And then Hillary Clinton having significantly less than that, that closer to that 50 percent mark, losing those margins. When when you start adding up all of those margins in these smaller areas in northeast Ohio and and those Mm -hmm. shrink, those turn into, you know, real bottom line um, uh, votes for you at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's why Mahoning County, again, that's where Youngstown is, of course, did not flip, as I recall, but the huge drop-off from what Obama got and then just four years later what Secretary Clinton got was you know, was pretty startling. So even though you didn't see a flip, you saw a lot, lot more 
uh, voters checking the the red box rather than the blue box. That's correct. I'm I'm looking at OhioElectionResults.com, which is a, a website run by Mike Dawson. And in uh, 2012, Barack Obama won uh, Mahoning County with 63 and a half percent of the the vote. And then uh, just a, a year later, yes, um, uh, Secretary Clinton did win Mahoning County with 49.9 percent of the vote. That's a pretty big drop off to have in, in a place that Democrats, uh, you would think, could could count on having a pretty good margin. Well, and as you say, that's that's been the winning formula to, to roll that up in, in uh, the, what previously had been loyal Democratic areas. And, right. and you know, and, and adjoining counties like Trumbull and Ashtabula also certainly slid toward Trump as well. Yeah. I think one other thing to sort of watch for in the suburbs in 2020 is what happens with third-party voters. So in 2012, we saw about 21,000 people cast a ballot for a a third-party candidate in the presidential election. That went up significantly. And and rigged up that, so that's the 114 areas we looked at? Yes. So in the the 114 suburbs that we looked at, we had about a little shy of 1.6 million votes total in those areas. 21,000 ballots were cast for a third-party candidate. Turnout was basically the same in 2016, and nearly 70,000 ballots were cast for a third-party candidate. Wow. Neither They didn't want to vote for Hillary, and they didn't want to vote for Donald Trump. And that right there, I mean, if you those are about 40,000 people, 40 to 50,000 people that we're talking about who probably didn't vote third party the the last time around, but did in 2016. If you can capture some of those votes in in the middle, then maybe you can swing some more of these suburbs your way, whether they be red or blue. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a I mean, 40,000 votes. If you can flip that, that's uh and you take him away from your opponent, you know, that would be an 80,000 vote turnaround, so to speak. Absolutely. So I guess bottom line, suburbs, what they're saying about being a key battleground, that part is true, but it's not necessarily the whole ball game. Absolutely. I think that's right. You're going to have both Democrats and Republicans looking at where they've done well traditionally and, and trying to fortify there and looking in areas uh, where they haven't done well traditionally and trying to narrow those margins on top of what's happening in the suburbs. That's all going to be important to winning Ohio in 2020. All right. Well, folks, that's the view one year out. Hey, save this podcast and check it out on, you know, on November 4th of uh, 2020 and see if either of us knew what the heck we were talking about. Tell us uh, how wrong we were. Yeah, because, you know, if we'd have done this a year out of 2016, yeah, you probably wouldn't have gotten how it actually turned out, I'm guessing. But So, yeah, but there it is, folks. Anything more, Rick? No, I think that's it. Thanks for uh, jumping on with me. All right. Rick Ruan uh, did a lot of number crunching for this so check it out online dispatch.com or if you've got the print edition the advantage of doing it uh, online is you will get some nice little maps that rebecca reese from our web team put together in tableau you can compare those suburban results for 2012 and 2016 and take a look for yourself at the areas we are comparing Again, Daryl Rowland, public affairs editor. Patrick Flaherty, as always, making us sound great. The silent presence in every dispatch podcast running the board for us. Folks, and thanks to you for listening, and we'll be back with you many times in the coming year. See you then. Bye.